G'day folks, welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. The podcast series is hosted by me, Johnny Manning, and we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition, pet care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. So thanks for tuning in. Now get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. Good day, pet owners, fur parents, and lovers of all creatures great and small. Welcome to Pause and Listen. It's a Big Dog Pet Foods podcast and a place you come to find out all manner of pet-related information. I'm Johnny Manning. Today I'm talking to the one, the only, the creative director and founder of Shy Tiger, a vet-created, pet-appreciated natural health and lifestyle products company, Melbourne veterinarian and owner of Mount Albert Veterinary Surgery, the pet-tastic Dr. Nicole Rouse. Good afternoon, Dr. Nicole. It's great to see you again. Good afternoon, Johnny. Thank you so much for having me again. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, look, it's absolutely our pleasure because um, today, whew, pretty interesting topic that we're going to cross today. We've talked about all sorts of things in the past, mm. but this one's, um, well, it's a little bit divisive and it's a little bit um, groundbreaking and it's a little bit new, it's a little bit funky and uh, it's a little bit, well, it's CBD for dogs. Now, for people who are out there who don't know what CBD is, maybe they know of the plant that CBD comes from. Dr. Nicole, give me the idiot's version of where CBD comes from. So CBD uh, comes from the same plant as medical marijuana. Marijuana, as lots of people know. It's what? a basically, I know. Did you just say out. marijuana? The same species of plant. So it comes from cannabis sativa or sativa, however you want to pronounce it. It's basically the yeah. hemp plant. And the plant is grown and uh, tweaked, I guess, according to needs. So if the plant has a reasonable level, and when I say reasonable, we're talking about 0.3% of this of a, of a component, the psychoactive component called THC, it's classified as marijuana. When it's under right. that, it's classified as, you know, a plant for CBD oil. So it depends on its uh, chemical constituents as to whether it falls into the marijuana or uh, the CBD oil territory. Okay. so uh, But same species of plant. All right. So THC is tetrahydrocannabinol. Well done. I love that. Yeah, I'm no, glad you're using that one. Don't ask me how, how some, I've known that since I was a teenager. There's some big words. Yes. Yeah. But, so but, that's, um, that's a psychoactive component that um, marijuana has the reputation for, isn't it? Um, and right. it's in uh, less than 0.3% in CBD oil. So we don't get the psychoactive effects when we're using CBD oil. So when we say psychoactive, that's the um, euphoria, the creativity, mm. the all that sort of stuff that I've been told yeah. uh, you get <laughs> through THC. and C, But CBD, what does CBD stand for? Cannabidiol. Um, that's another mouthful of word. I feel like we're going to be tongue twisting all uh, through this session. So yeah, it's yeah. it's when you look at the um, the plant, they have so the hemp plant has 
over 100 phytocannabinoids or 100 sort of plant extracts, I guess you could say. And two of these, one is THC and one is CBD, and they're what we kind of know about or what we've heard about. There's other things like terpenes and all these other, you know, 98 plus constituents, but the famous to us THC and CBD, which make up, you know, a lot of the plant. Um, and But they're just a constituent of the hemp plant. But it's cannabidiol. Right. So cannabidiol is completely legal? Yeah, it's – it look – it's a really uh, confusing and challenging question that should be really easy to answer, shouldn't it? Is it legal? Yeah. It is. Um, I guess our main understanding of it is that for pets, we can obtain cannabidiol or CBD through prescription. So it's classified as an S4 drug. Really, um, drugs of addiction and things like morphine, methadone, those sort of drugs are S8. So they're like in the vet world, our highest classification. This is classified as um, S4, sort of. So most vets will write a prescription. There is one company that does provide an over-the-counter because they fall under the industrial hemp law. It gets really complicated. But I guess the, the main group of CBD products that pet parents have access to in Australia is through a prescription from their veterinarian um, bar right. one full-spectrum product that falls under a different um, regulation. So in the USA, I can walk into my local pet store and there are shelves of CBD yeah. products. Mm-hmm. But also in certain states in the USA, I can walk into a store and actually buy marijuana as yes. well. Yes. Legally, just by showing my identification. Hmm. So obviously, this is something that is, I guess, it's the that's it's an evolving space, isn't it? It's a very fluid discussion, considering where we are now in Australia and both both and the rest of the world, but also with regards to access to this for our pets as well, right? It's something that is probably evolving year by year or even sort of quarter by quarter, little things are changing, right? Yeah, and you've got a couple of camps of thought on that. One camp, which is probably the camp I fall into, is that it's really sad. This is a fantastic product where behind the times this would help so many pets out there. I'm sure we'll get into it, but especially with the mental health issues that are so prevalent in our pets and anxiety, osteoarthritis, all these conditions. but then there's another school of thought that says, okay, well, maybe it's fantastic that it's really tightly regulated because then quality becomes imperative. Um, and if you look at some of the studies in the States, when they test all these over-the-counter products, you know, only 25% of them actually had in their constituents what they their label claims were. So is the quality there? And then are people trying these products not thinking they're beneficial, but they're actually trying something that's not really effective anyway um but i definitely fall in the in the first camp i really wish we had much easier access it is so cost prohibitive in australia uh for me to prescribe a 20 kilogram dog uh good quality cbd oil through a prescription um you're looking at about 200 dollars a month like that most people can't afford oh, that it's a oh. lot of money no yeah it is okay well then you fall into that camp that says we should have greater, easier access to um, this CBD oil. Run me through why. What are these benefits that that 
You mentioned mental health before with our pets Mm -hmm. because I know it does have a calming effect. Yeah. But that's just one of the the positive impacts it can have. Talk to me about these benefits. Yeah, so I guess first thing I'd say is that we do have uh, a limitation or we do have a lack of good peer review studies, good um, double-blinded, you know, all those fancy placebo-controlled studies for the scientific benefits of it, but they're coming. They really are coming. Not many in Australia, but they're from overseas. We're getting the evidence. So when I sort of explain this, there is a a little bit of a lack of evidence, but we do have some. Um, And I think uh, if you're happy to wind back a step, the best way to go through this for pet parents is to actually understand how CBD works um, in the body. So... Only relatively recently did we actually figure it out. Um, the body has something called an endocannabinoid system. Okay, so it's. I was a bit, reading about that. I couldn't. Yes. Couldn't believe how that was in our body with that kind of term. Yes. Like that that really shocked me that we have an endo end endocannabinoid cannabinoid endocannabinoid system. system. And I guess I think of it um, like our nervous system. We all know we have a nervous system, so. If you kind of think of them like these little highways going all around the body, connecting your brain to your organs, to your skin, you know, all of the body. Um, And within these systems, for messages to go along, we generally have uh, receptors. So So a drug or something goes to a receptor, binds to it, sends a signal on to the next point, off to another receptor and so on and so forth. And it sort of influences the different pathways in the body. So the endocannabinoid system is an amazing system uh, that can affect, gosh, everything. So um, inflammation, it can affect um, things like cancer signaling pathways, uh, mood, uh, organ function, gut function, take your pick. It's infiltrating our whole body. And within this system, we have uh, what we call CB1 and CB2 receptors. They're our main receptors, yeah? They're in the brain, in the body, in things like that. Um, And what we're talking about when we're talking about CBD oil is how it influences these receptors to do things in our body, yeah? So if it's targeting receptors in the gut and it's affecting that, then it might um, reduce inflammation in the gut and then so people or or dogs with inflammatory bowel disease are going to feel better. If it's targeting receptors in your joints and reducing pain or inflammation signaling there, then animals or humans with arthritis are going to be feel better. If it's targeting receptors in the brain, you might have less anxiety. So it depends on where these receptors are and what the influence of CBD oil has on them to either upregulate, downregulate, how it's actually influencing that process to what we're, what effects we're going to see. Um, but certainly the evidence we've got uh, is definitely around anxiety. That's a huge one. I think that's so important for pet parents because um, not all pet parents want to jump to pharmaceutical drugs and there's not that many. Of course, I'm quite biased with essential oils, um, but there's not that yeah. many natural options that are really well proven for anxiety and we're we're looking at statistics of up to 80 percent of pets these days have some sort of mental health issue so cbd really is worth considering for those pets um and even something like um their like uh travel anxiety so they did they did a great study showing dogs that get travel anxiety 
getting CBD oil has been fantastic, separation anxiety, all these things post-COVID world, my goodness, they're so important. Um, And then I guess for me, if we're thinking about what we see all day, every day, arthritis is another huge one. Um, It's a little bit controversial. Some of the studies show it does improve things and some say it doesn't do anything, but certainly anecdotally, lots of people use it. Um, And one of the other fantastic ones, which I've read research on, is it's really great in cancer treatment. So that's a huge right. one. If help to give some pet parents hope, either. And I've got I've got a dog at the minute on um, CBD oil along with um, other conventional therapies for lymphoma. So and what is fantastic with cancer treatment is it actually works synergistically with conventional therapies. So what I mean by that is you might have your dog um, say let's let's use lymphoma as an example, really commonly on prednisolone or steroids. It's really common. Well, the evidence that they're saying is if you put it on CBD oil as well, then your it has this synergistic effect where everything works better. It helps all the other drugs and the other things to be more effective. So we then have a dog that may be living with cancer that will have a, a hopefully a more effective treatment, but also a better quality of life, which I think is really important. And what all parents want, isn't it, that um, they just want that quality of life to be the best it can. I think CBD oil is really, um, really a bit of a game changer in that space. Wow. So that piece of information or that answer to the question you gave me there just absolutely blew my mind. And I'm going to have to make some notes because I've got to come back and, and, and drill down on a couple of things you just said. So the first one is we mentioned the endocannabinoid system that we have in our bodies, right? So that lends uh, weight to the argument that CBD oil is beneficial in humans. Dogs have that same system, yeah? Yes, yes. And um, even like invertebrates, like like slugs and everything, like it's amazing how prevalent they are. Okay. So so there's that. Um, You mentioned that the targeting of um, the CBD deal will, I guess, determine what it, uh, what it, assists and what it attacks mm. is that done in the compounding of it that we the the making of the particular oil that it targets or how do we affect how it targets specific ailments so that is definitely in the compounding of it so you've got different ways to create the product and i guess that um that's where it becomes actually really tricky for the pet parents even for vets to understand right. the different qualities so the i guess the old school way of creating um, CBD oil is not dissimilar to essential oil. So it's steam distillation, basically putting a plant in, throwing lots of steam in there, it vaporizes, condenses, and you've got your leftover product. Um, The more sophisticated way is by using carbon dioxide and they do this tricky technique where basically they put it under all this pressure. It goes from like a gas to a liquid state and I don't really understand all the intricacies of it intricacies of it but basically just absorbs all the good stuff from the plant that's the more common method now and then there's all these probably diy methods what you're left with um after this um sort of carbon dioxide type extraction is a full spectrum yeah hemp a full spectrum cbd oil um then from that position they then will move it into either this like an isolate 
and this is might get a bit confusing for people, but they're basically continuing to process it to refine it so that it's higher in pure CBD. And remember, we we're talking the start had there's like over a hundred compounds, so they've got to take yeah. the THC out of it or they can't sell it. Really, um, they depends on. Side note, apparently cats do really well on THC. They like, if you look in the States, side note, this probably doesn't surprise you. Anyway, um, back to what we're talking about. Get rid of the THC. No, it doesn't actually. (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of the THC. And then in some conditions, and I don't really use it, some conditions they will like try and purify the CBD and get rid of all these other 100 uh, phytocannabinoids. Um, But more often than not, and I guess if you speak to most of the natural vets that I'm sort of that I speak to about CBD oil, we tend to use full spectrum CBD, which has the 100 Mm. phytocannabinoids. Uh, There's a little bit of confusion around full spectrum and broad spectrum. I won't really go into it because it's not really that relevant. But basically in Australia, for pet parents, we're looking at full spectrum CBD. And the reason we choose that, even though it doesn't have as high components of CBD compared to the CBD isolate, there is what you call an entourage effect by phytocannabinoids phytocannabinoids and basically that's kind of similar to the synergism where you'll get all these extra benefits from all these other compounds uh, that we haven't really proven but we know that they all kind of help each other and it I sort of think of it a bit logically in that the plant is a whole plant for a good reason it has all the different components in it for a good reason if you start pulling it apart and having all these single bits they're not going to work as well on their own as what they would work as if they're together in a whole plant, would they? Makes sense. It kind of makes sense. It's a, a plant's evolved to have all its bits and pieces to work together and we're going to get the best effect for the patient using full spectrum almost always but not every single time. Right. Okay. So th- there's a possibility that uh, if my dog has um, anxiety yes. and I'm giving my dog CBD oil for anxiety, it might improve his skin health as well. Absolutely. What you're saying to me, Dr. Nicole, is that it's a wonder drug. Is that right? That's basically what you're telling me. That is quite a wild claim, Johnny. <laughs> it is, look, it's, it is a fantastic tool in your toolkit. It really is. It has very limited side effects. I think one of the challenges we have is around the legalities and lack of confidence from vets or pet parents about giving it a go or using it uh, and the cost of giving it a go. Um, And then the other challenge we have with it is um, you have to titrate it to effect. So you can't, you know, when you take an antibiotic and the doctor says to you, give one tablet morning and night and you go home, take your one tablet and you start on it. Um, with CBD oil and something for all pet parents to remember is that we have to titrate it. So if your dog's ideal dose is one meal twice a day and where that's where you have to yeah. start it at like 0.2 twice a day for three days, go up to 0.3 twice a day, 0.4 twice a day, you have to build up the dose um, because if you go hit it straight at the high dose, you do tend to see side effects, potentially a bit of diarrhoea, um, they can get a little bit sedated if you go straight to the high dose. Right. So it's it's not going to mean it's not going to work. Mm. It just means you might get a couple of the – you need to give the body 
whoever's getting it a little bit of time to adapt to it and before you give it its full dose. Uh, exactly, exactly. And there are a few drugs, a few pharmaceutical drugs we do that too as well. So it's not on its own on that. It's not um, really unusual, but it's definitely something we need to keep in mind. And you do tend to get a better effect over time. It's not a drug that I would use, you know, for a week and be like, no, nah, it doesn't work. That's it. Move on. It's You need time to yeah. make your mind about whether it's going to work. It's actually stored in adipose tissue, which is our fat tissue. So you will right. get uh, a better improvement over time. So I would definitely say to people, give it probably four to six weeks at the peak dose before I would make a call. Not a, Probably not dissimilar to a lot of our anxiety drugs we use. So something like Prozac, right. you would give a good six weeks plus weeks before you decided if it was going to suit your dog or not. Oddly enough, that statistic about how long it's stored in the fat cells, I did know that as well, funnily enough. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned it working synergistically with conventional medication, mm-hmm. and the one you mentioned was treatment for lymphoma, I think it was. Yeah, cancer drugs. Do, does it – would it um, – It's so it's obviously complementing that treatment, but it is like – it is like, is it like one of those medications that you say, well – if you're taking this and then you add CBD oil to it, you're going to improve the effects of that conventional medicine? Because, I mean, like, a, a th- uh, is it something like that where it can actually improve the effects or is it basically doing its own job? I, I definitely think it can improve. I, I don't think we've got enough research. I think it's doing its own job, but it, it, in the cancer world, we're, we think it probably can improve the effects of the cancer drugs as well. I haven't seen enough research to be definitive about it, but there was certainly some research on on cancer, and I can we can link it in the bio if it if yeah. it helps. So it's a really great paper I've got on basically where we're at with CBD oil and the benefits on each of the different body systems. So I think yeah. maybe some of the listeners listeners would really enjoy uh, having a little read of that one. So it's from this year too, so it's really current. What are some personal experiences you've seen with dogs or cats or animals that have been treated with CBD oil and the improvements that you've seen? Yeah, so for me, uh, I've, I've been using it for probably about three years now, I'd say. Uh, I, to date, have only used a compounded product, so I write a prescription for each patient that I use it on. So I, uh, I've i got that lymphoma dog I briefly mentioned before, yeah. and I haven't quite, uh, it's not quite at its therapeutic effect of what I'd like to do, but I've got this dog, we diagnosed lymphoma in uh, February. It's still going really strong, so I'm, I think it's uh, just because it's sort of mopping up inflammation in the body i think the dog's able to maintain a good appetite yeah i think it's helping its mobility like it's a dandy dinmont terrier so it's you know they're long sort of stocky dogs yeah uh it's helping maintain its mobility and energy and and just overall quality of life it's really hard for me to prove that the dog would have a longer life on it because I'm not going to take the dog off it if you know what I mean. I don't yeah. have two dogs at the same time. Yeah. Um. I I had another cancer dog that outlived its expected lifespan on it. So it rather than you know say when we give a prognosis of four to six weeks and uh, I can't remember exactly how long this dog was, but I think it was well over three months that we managed to maintain it on the um, CBDL and I've used it for a few seizure patients. So we haven't talked about that yet, but that's really commonly right. um, used for seizure therapy. 
Mm. Well, I've certainly so, heard that in humans as well. Um, there's a licensed product in humans too, actually, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the yeah. mm. the, the studies on humans at the moment is, to me, it's irrefutable, the evidence. And that's both, yeah. um, yes. you know, I would say peer-reviewed plus also anecdotally as well. I mean, you just hear about mm. people yeah. rubbing CBD oil on their sore knee and all of a sudden their their yes. sore knee is, is better, you know, it's – as I said before, I'll, yeah. I know you said it was a wild claim. I'll make the claim that it's a wonder drug. But <laughs> um, you started using it three years ago. Were you a little bit trepidatious at start or did you? were you just like, yep, this is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. So as a vet, um, I guess we're always worried about legalities of everything, aren't we? So I think my, my real trepidation was around um, whether I was legally doing the right thing because yeah. there's a bit of scaremongering that it's, it's illegal. Um, so that was my first thing. And then the second thing was knowing the dose, the effective dose and how to introduce it because I'd heard about this titration uh, issue and I didn't know how to build up each patient. Uh, and then the other thing was that I didn't know about the drug interaction with any other drugs. So right. the only drugs we do really have to watch out for with CBD oil are drugs that um, are metabolized by the liver. There's a special enzyme called cytochrome P450. But so there's a class of drugs that uh, have a special liver metabolism that may, um, that CBD can slow down their metabolism and right. almost make those drugs more effective. So owners just have to be careful of that. But it, again, titrating it and building it to effect, you don't tend to see the problems, but it's just a matter of the practitioner understanding that can happen uh, and for anyone listening for that's for the epileptic dogs that are on phenobarbitone so it's a really common epileptic medication or phenobarbital i might have heard it phenomav uh, that is one drug where we have to build up cbd really slowly as we wean down off phenobarbitone well but i mean that doesn't strike me as something that is foreign to to yourself and other vets you're always having to do this no. balancing act when you're changing medication so it's not like it's a barrier is it it's just a a simple Absolutely. thing that you have to do Absolutely. when Sorry. when dosing. Yeah. What what means of delivery are you using? I mean, are you using a dropper with oil? You're putting it in food. How are you giving it to the mm. animals? Yeah. So it's a dropper in oil, uh, and yeah. my understanding with CBD oil is that's how it's most effectively absorbed. So I think in the in an oil form, it's about 100% bioavailable. It's really good. Uh, whereas in capsules, it's not as good. It's like 50%. And then I think on creams, it's only about 10%. So I think there's right. different absorptions depending on your method. But yeah, we get it, we get it compounded uh, just in a coconut oil. So yeah, it's nice okay. and easy. The owners measure it out. It's, it's great. And you put it in the food? Yeah. 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 Well, they because... just drop it in. No, they, I'd say most people would put, syringe it into their mouth, actually, yeah. because you tend to only be doing like 0.2 of a mil. And because it's so expensive, you want to make sure that has gone straight into the mucous membranes. Whereas if you chuck right. it in the bowl, you're not going to really know. Yeah, so, you, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the dog might might miss that bit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It goes into their, you know, the gums or their the roof yeah. of their mouth or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, th there are places I've seen at at weekend markets where I can buy CBD oil. Am I am I buying the right mm -hmm. stuff or is it the wrong stuff? No, look, I there are a few, I guess, the black market kind of CBD oil. I really wouldn't, and I really strongly encourage pet parents to not delve down that really? pathway. It's okay. Australia is not ready for those over the counter 
CBD products, if they're around, I'd be really worried about um, quality. There's yeah. huge issues in farming marijuana plants, so, you know, hemp plants, yeah. in that they're really prone to pesticides. So actually if you go and measure um, poorly grown CBD oil, you find a huge load, load of pesticides. So you think you're doing good, but then you're actually adding pesticides to your dog. So oh, it's not a perfect... Yeah, so you you almost need like an organic hemp plant and these the really well-grown compounding pharmacies or a really reputable companies will yeah. have the most amazing setups the way they grow this. It's If you would go to one of their facilities, you'll be in like the big white suits and they'll be, you know, sterile and everything because they've got these issues with spider mites and things. They don't want to use all the pesticides. So it's not, you, you get what you pay for, I guess, is what I'm I'm sort of getting at and I would hate to think that people spend a fortune on something not seeing an effect and they're not seeing it because they're not getting the good quality yeah. CBD oil um, for their pets. You're, I don't expect you to necessarily comment on this, but I'm going to have to mention it um, mm. because the conspiracy theorist in me starts thinking, okay, well then, uh, is are these big pharmaceutical companies going to come in and start a campaign so it's not legalized and regulated or are they going to get their hands on these beautiful grow houses that you've just spoken about and then they're going to um, pull mm. it out and mass produce it but then produce it at a lesser quality and and are we, are we going to go down a track where this industry or this particular product becomes bastardized um, versus the I guess the pure form of what it is you know at the moment if you can get your hands on it where it's actually just really really beneficial i mean it's, someone's going to mm, want to make a mm. dollar out of this aren't they oh there's a lot of people already making a dollar out of yeah. it don't worry about that there's yeah, yeah it's it, i think we'll probably see a bit of both i think at, at the end of the day most of our pharmaceutical drugs have come from plants haven't they and then they just get um you know synthetically made in in laboratories that that version of it as yeah. you know vitamins take most drugs yeah. um so no doubt there will be an element of that by the big farmers for sure yeah but i think there's so much push from the public and uh the public's pretty savvy these days i i think you know we have a pretty good understanding there's a big push in australia to try and legalize cbd so that it's more easily accessible that it's not classified um, you know, as a drug that we that we have to get compounded. Uh, and, and so I think hopefully times will catch up and we'll move a bit more like America and some other countries where it's a bit easier to access uh, and it doesn't fall into the kind of taboo territory. Um, I really hope so. I really, really hope it's soon. I know that a few of my colleagues were working hard uh, a few weeks ago to get it um to be addressed by the Australian Vet Association. There's a bit of a push to the Australian Pesticides and Veterinary Medicines Authority, so the APVMA, which yeah. is our, like, TGA in the vet world. Yeah. There's a huge push to try and, come on, guys, let's address this, let's talk about it, what can we do? We know we need parameters and we know we can't just make it, you know, open slather, do what you like with CBD oil, but let's bring it to the table so that we can make it easier for pet parents to access this fantastic product. It's really important. There's so many pet lives out there that could be made better and so many vets, you know, if they had access to it and the knowledge behind it, they could just make their therapeutics so much better for the pets. So it's it's really frustrating. At that level, almost that um, legislative level with the, the Vets Association, with the 
the animal FDA and the the lawmakers. Yeah. What do you think the barriers are there? Is it simply education? I think people are scared. I don't know. Like I get when I speak to other vets and, uh, you know, I guess, well, probably just other vets, they're just, there's an element of, I don't know, it's, it sounds a bit scary. I'm just, I'm just out. Like I don't want to be involved. I'm just going to use things I'm comfortable with. Yeah. It, I guess we all have our own perception on what we think marijuana is as well. And I think there's just, because it's linked to marijuana, people just get a bit, mm, a bit worried about it. And I guess also most people, because that's not all legalised in Australia and CBD is not legalised in Australia as easily for humans, you'll find statistically most people are, are willing to use it on their pets that have tried it on themselves, whereas in Australia no one's really tried CBD on themselves unless they've gone down the prescription pathway. So then they're um, not as open-minded about trying it on their pets unless their vets bring it up. I'll put my yeah, hand up to be a guinea a pig bit. for anyone out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's holding them back. I think it's just uh, they're just worried about opening it up and that sort of trust being abused and the quality and... I guess it's putting the the good regulations around it. But we've got so many educated people, vets and, and you know, who knows, to, to really help make it really safe for pets. So I, I don't think it should be a good enough reason to not do it, of course. And there's so many other countries that are doing it. We can take all the lessons from them as well. Yeah, it's, it's funny that there are so many other countries doing it. And if you look back, if we're talking about cannabis itself, if you look back into the history mm. of when it was sort of made a prohibited substance, it was all mm. kind of crazy. You know, a lot of it was driven by a, um, I don't know if you knew this, a newspaper magnate back in the day in the USA, a fellow called William Randolph Hearst, who printed newspapers, ran a, ran a scare campaign, but there's also a theory that he was terrified that the hemp plant made better paper that lasted longer. And his, oh. his, his business was paper and he wanted, you know, uh, disposable paper to, you know, to continue to, to move through rather than, the, the hemp plant, which has on its own, like the wood and the, the, the leaves from the hemp plant can make amazing material and can make, you know, very strong structures and things like that. So there was an entire campaign about that in the, I think the 1920s where it got uh, prohibited in the US. Um, but it's almost come a full circle. You know, there, there's been convictions overturned in the US once it's been legalised yeah. and they've said, well, that, that conviction no longer exists. Um, Australia probably lagging a little bit behind that particular area, but still, in my opinion, for, for a place like Australia where we are very um, tight on those sorts of things, we've taken some huge leaps in the human space even yes. with, with as far as medicinal marijuana goes for, you know, people with mm. chronic illness, you know, cancer, things like that. So surely at some point, you know, sanity is going to prevail and that is going to farm out into the the pet world as well, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, if you'd asked me three years ago, I would have thought we'd probably be here by now. So it's yeah. taking a long time. We haven't, it doesn't feel like we're moving very fast in that space, unfortunately. Um, but there's more and more uh, CBD or companies now for pets, which is good. Like a few years ago, there was only really one or two, whereas now there's at least sort of five. I know that doesn't sound like a big change, but the more of them there are, the more pressure they put on the regulatory bodies too. So hopefully that 
really helps. But I agree if we can, you know, we legalize medical marijuana, why not the CBD yeah. oil? Let's um, make it make it easier for people to access. You'd think once the penny drops with the amount of taxation revenue they can get if they actually legalize it and have a, re- a regulated market, uh, they would sign it yeah. straight away, but it's bizarre that they haven't. Um, so if I'm a pet owner at home, let's say I'm a dog owner mm-hmm. at home, what sort of, I mean, we've, we've spoken about this, but I want to, I, I guess, start talking about the practicalities of it as well. Um, what mm. sort of conditions does my pet have if I'm to start asking my local vet, hey, will CBD will improve my animal's condition? So what sort of things, we've, we've spoken about what it can do, but is it, um, mm. is it skin conditions? Is it uh, chronic illness? We've spoken about anxiety. What sort of things am I looking for in my dog that's then going to spur me to ask you, my vet, hey, should we try CBD oil? Yeah. So I guess um, even once we go through all these, don't be surprised if you approach your vet about this and they're not comfortable with it or they say no. It's That's probably going to be the answer you're going to get. You may need to go directly to some of the CBD companies and if you just Google uh, full spectrum CBD prescription dog or something like that. You'll you'll approach these companies and they can actually direct you to a vet who is experienced or knowledgeable in CBD oil. So it's not common at this point for a GP vet to be comfortable adding CBD oil to really? um, their repertoire of what they're offering you. So just just be prepared to hit a bit of a brick wall with right. this. Um, but I would say. Um, definitely seizures. So yeah. I think the current stats are even with our pharmaceutical medication, there's about 30% of dogs aren't well controlled with medication with their seizures. So I think seizures is definitely a big one. Um, anxiety, mental health issues, definitely a really big one for me. And uh, I guess another one that I look at is the older animals where they're starting to get lots of comorbidities so you've got a older dog that's got arthritis it's got the senility it's probably kidneys aren't functioning that well so you're worried about drugs you know it's got lots of things it might be a bit of a I don't know just that boost um so that they need that you might be able to tick a few boxes with it something like that um Chronic gut issues, there's some really good evidence around it for that. So we've got seizures, anxiety, chronic gut, older dogs. Uh, we've got arthritis. Is um, It's there anecdotally, I'd say, more than the, than the research is showing us at this point. But, I mean, gosh, that's most dogs, isn't it? I think there's yeah. skin. I mean, take a pick. It's, it's really uh, it's a bit of a balancer sort of a drug. I think it, it helps bring the body back into a bit of balance. So... I think if the body's out of balance chronically and have tried a few things, I think CBD oil um, is is great. So, yeah. What about appetite? Really worth, worth Nausea or loss of appetite, um, will it help with that? It, there's actually some reports that it can be a side effect of it. So I wouldn't use it specifically for right. appetite. Uh, I guess for me, appetite, you're going to have an underlying reason why the dog's have poor appetites such as could be stress-induced, so can be anxiety, so in that case it would help. Um, But more often than not, it's just a Googling low-grade gut issue, so you're looking at prebiotics, probiotics. Have a chat to Norel at Caninecuticals for that one. (laughs) What about um, THC? Can that increase someone's appetite? I'm just joking. 
I don't know. I'm just joking. Um, I'm just going off what I've heard. <laughs> uh, right. So look, it, it, it seems as though, I mean, as I said, it seems as though we're, we're in a bit of a state of flux here where it's seeping into, mm. leaking into the, the market, but it's nowhere near what you'd consider mainstream. Some things are being done at, at that regulatory or legislative level to try and bring it a little bit more into the, the public mind. If we're believers in the product, what can we do? Can we, if, you know, you said we might not get the response we want from our vet, what can we do to try and say, hey, look, this is something that's actually safe. It's good yeah. for our animals. We're, we're seeing the, the wheel turn in the human world. Why aren't we seeing that same wheel turn at, at the same or at a faster rate in the pet world? What can we do, do you think? Yeah, look, I guess um, probably not dissimilar to what you do when your vet's um, giving you a bit of pushback about fresh food feeding. Yeah, right. You know, it's if you arm yourself with the evidence and the knowledge, and I know that's a lot to expect pet parents to become educated, but vets are scientific people. So if you offer them the scientific evidence, yeah. they're likely to listen. So say this paper, I'll give you guys, we link it. Take that to your vet, show them. Um, you know, show that you're interested in the science behind it, I think is the one thing. Same with fresh food feeding. Show them there's great studies now to show that dogs do better on fresh food feeding. Show that to your vet. Show them that you're serious about taking this seriously and you're not just someone on Google or someone on your Facebook told you it was a good idea and that's when you, that's you know, you're just doing that. Yeah. Like it, I think if you're serious about it, they'll take you more seriously and if you've got a bit of evidence behind you, that's a real game changer. Otherwise, we can also go to the APVMA, send them a letter, tell them you want them to, to register it so we can, um, you know, finally have one registered veterinary product of CBD, which we currently have none. Yeah, wow. Imagine that. Imagine if there was a registered product. Um, so, yeah, tell them a bit more more pressure from uh, the community I think will really help. But I think the first step, a bit like fresh feeding, is help educate the vets and help um, add. Don't You know, we don't want to harass and pressure our vets, but no, just show them not. the evidence and share with them. Vets, yeah. they're general practitioners. They can't, they can't know everything. They can't know yeah. everything about everything. So... Just take it to them, be open-minded um, and show them you're interested in it and, and have an open conversation about it. And as we always say on this podcast, be kind to your vet. You know, they're there to advocate for your dog's yes. health the whole time. So be kind to your vet. All right, so would you recommend a dog, a healthy dog, going on CBD as a, some sort of preventative um, supplement or just a, as just part of their regular diet or, or does a dog have to show certain symptoms of the things that we've spoken about before um, for, for you to prescribe CBD? At this point in Australia, no, I wouldn't. Most, yeah. it's just too cost prohibitive really. Right. Okay. I think once we become a bit more like the States and there's lots of treats with CBD, so if you go to the United States and you go into your pet stock, pet barn, you know, pet specialty stores, you will find treats with CBD oil. I think we're about to have a dog. Yeah, that's visit. all right. Sorry. It's about time. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I have two. No, no, out of here. Go. Um, sorry. Not that my dog has separation anxiety. No, 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 what no, of course about? <laughs> She needs a little bit of CBD oil. My, my dog's across um, the road tapping yeah, his watch. <laughs> yeah. 
So you'll you'll find that if you go into those places, you'll find just treats on the counter, you know, over the counter that have got CBD oil on. So I think when Australia gets to that position, it'll be a bit more realistic to have it as part of your general repertoire. But at this current point in Australia, no, it's only therapeutic, I'd say. Yeah. Would you give a puppy CBD oil? No, not really. I don't. I mean, there's no really good reason not to, but there's... Oh, gosh, my dogs. My dogs need it at the minute. So there's no really good reason to not in puppies. I haven't read any reports or any issues with it, but there's also no good reason to give it. It's just, right. again, just too expensive. But, yeah, looking forward to the day where we see treats and things that we can get. Imagine imagine how fantastic that will be if, you know, you get you go and pick your puppy up and you've got to drive it from two hours away to yeah. pick it up and then there's a registered product with CBD in it to help calm them in that in that car ride and then they don't have post-traumatic stress from the car trip and they're, you know, getting welcomed into their new home beautifully, you're supporting their emotional health. Like how great will that be? So uh, one day. That's the, that sounds like the kind of world I want to live in, to be honest. Yeah, a CBD treat for you, a CBD treat for me, hey? Yeah, yeah there we go. Um, look, I, I think we've um, – I'm pretty comfortable with what we've spoken about here. And I think we've really, you know, pushed a, I guess, an evidence base, which we'll see in that research, but also you're a scientist yourself. You're a, yeah. you're, you're a vet, an evidence-based case here that um, covers a, a CBD. I really enjoyed what you spoke about with the endocannabinoid system and, you know, the fa- what it actually does within the body of humans and of, of um, animals as well, because once you break that down, that's that's evidence that mm. you can't refute, right? You say this is actually what yeah, it does, absolutely. You know, and if it's got this, yes. this the you know the nasty devil psychoactive ingredient that everyone's terrified of, if that's not present there, then what's the holdup? You know what I mean? This stuff works. Exactly. We know it does. We can grow it in the ground. It all makes complete sense. So I think it's a pretty compelling case. Yes, hopefully we can redo this podcast in another couple of years, Johnny, and be talking about how fantastic it is in Australia that parents have access to it so easily. So, yeah, we'll have to come back again when it's um, when it's a readily available product for all the wonderful pet parents out there. Well, I reckon we should, um, you know, do it regularly and just keep sending copies of this podcast to the regulatory bodies yes. saying, hey, look... You know, we're going blue in the face. Make some changes here. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Keep putting pressure. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Nicole, as always, an absolute bloody treat talking to you today and and something that I think we're both pretty um, passionate about. So um, now just for everyone listening out there, where can they find you on uh, on the internet machine, on the socials? Yeah, so uh, we are at Shire Tiger Health on Instagram. Yep. Uh, the website www.shiretiger.com.au. The clinic is montalbertvet.com.au. Yep. Uh, and TikTok, I think I'm Dr. Nicole Rouse.vet. So You're on TikTok, look at you, hey? You're doing some dances and things like that and no, 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 no. It's all all education. I've got one going semi-viral at the moment, trying to stop parents feeding chicken and rice and teach them to feed turkey and pumpkin. <laughs> so, Fair and they're enough. all. Uh, yeah, if there's any chicken and I rice know, left over, I, I will have it. So don't worry about that. But look, uh, doc, <laughs> Dr. Nicole, I want to thank you for taking the time to have this awesome chat, and um, you're always super generous with your time 
and you're always super informative and it's wonderful to talk to you. And I think this message is something, as you said before, I think we can circle back to and and get out there again. So you have a lovely evening with your uh, family and your peaches there. Thank you, Johnny. Lovely to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Absolute pleasure. That was uh, Dr. Nicole Rouse. You've been listening to Pause and Listen. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to read that piece of research, that's going to be coming out accompanying this podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast, no matter what platform you're on, just take a little moment to give us a five-star rating. How does that sound? Hey, just say me and Dr. Nicole know we're doing the, the good job. Wouldn't that be good, hey, Dr. Nicole, five-star rating? Absolutely, five stars for sure. I reckon we both deserve that. Hey, look, uh, keep listening. All the previous episodes will be on the platform that you're listening to. You can follow Big Dog Pet Foods at Instagram at Big Dog Pet Foods, on Facebook at Big Dog Pet Foods, and you'll get uh, little snippets of information, cool little videos, You might even get a little snippet of me and Dr. Nicole talking from this podcast or one of the previous ones we've done. So just get on there and follow the guys. There you go. I actually saw a really cool video of um, the mincing machine, of all the raw ingredients going into the mincing machine. It looked amazing. It's just that's proof right there that Big Dog uses um, uh, human consumption stuff. It's all good stuff. So awesome. Thanks again, Dr. Nicole, and uh, for everyone out there in the podcast listening world, we'll catch you up on the next episode of Pause and Listen. Oh, there is an email, though, isn't there? So if you do have any questions regarding this podcast or anything else with regards to food for your dog, customer care at bigdogpetfoods.com. Take care and give your dog a bit of a scratch around the ears from me. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed in these podcasts is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raise questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for an individual assessment and advice. Thanks again. See you next time.